Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. Each week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I will take you behind the headlines for an intergenerational conversation about the biggest stories out of the Vatican. This week, we covered the Vatican's investigation of former Cardinal Theodore McCarrick, as well as the American bishop's retreat and the resignation of the directors of the Vatican press office. I'm Colleen Deli. This is Inside the Vatican. Happy New Year from New York, Jerry. And Happy New Year from Rome, Colleen. Good to hear you again. Good to hear from you, too. As the new year begins, everyone in the Vatican is thinking about the upcoming summit on sexual abuse. That's when all the presidents of bishops' conferences from around the world will come to Rome to meet about sexual abuse and how the Church is responding and will respond to this crisis. To that end, we'll look at all of this week's stories in terms of preparing for that meeting, beginning with our first story, which the Vatican wants to have settled before the summit. This past weekend, the Vatican revealed that it is investigating three accusations of sexual abuse against former Cardinal Theodore McCarrick, all by people who say they were abused as minors in the Archdiocese of New York. All these investigations will determine whether the Pope will remove Archbishop McCarrick from the priesthood. Now, there are two ways that the Vatican can try this case, either in a formal tribunal or as an administrative procedure, and they've chosen the faster one, the administrative procedure. This is obviously a quicker way of dealing, of expediting the case. And it's usually this particular route is normally taken when the evidence is pretty compelling. How long it will take, I don't know. Nobody has been told how long it will take. But my understanding is, and what I've heard from Rome, is that they want this case and the response to the Vigano statements to be dealt with and expedited before the February meeting. The statements Jerry just referred to are the accusations against the Pope and other top prelates of the Church that an Italian archbishop, Carlo Maria Vigano, listed in a bombshell 11-page letter last year. He basically accused them of knowing about and covering up Archbishop McCarrick's abuse and demanded that the Pope resign. I'm sure we're going to get a verdict on this, on the McCarrick case, and also a statement response to the Vigano case, which the Vatican has been working on for some time. As I said in a previous podcast, the Vatican doesn't want to get involved in uh, ping pong. It wants to give a succinct answer to the key questions that the Vigano memorial, the Vigano statement has uh, raised. And and so we, we're in a situation of waiting, but I'm pretty certain everybody here seems to believe that the response will come certainly before the February meeting, and I imagine it will be some weeks before that. So it's quite possible it will come in this month, but nobody is giving any definite information on this. So while Vatican officials are working quickly to wrap up this investigation on Archbishop McCarrick and to make a decision about whether to lay aside him, that is, remove him from the priesthood, about half of the bishops in the United States were on a retreat at a seminary outside Chicago to pray about the abuse crisis and their own responses to it. Pope Francis requested them to make this retreat, and he had originally hoped to join the bishops on it. If you read what he said in the letter to the American bishops, he says right at the beginning that he had wanted to travel to Chicago to actually participate in that meeting. But logistically, it was very complicated. 
Right. And so he had to abandon the idea. And his next best option was to write a personal letter to them. And if you note, that letter was written, the original was in Spanish. So it came from his own pen, not from uh, advisors and uh, people who draft speeches sometimes. Oh, that's interesting. It was very clearly his work. The, the original was in Spanish, and then they translated it into English and Italian. Right, right. You were saying that we can tell because it was in Spanish that it came directly from him rather than from an advisor. Yeah, no, normally the, the drafts are in Italian. But also you can tell from the content and the expressions in, in the text. It, it's very clear it's from him. Before we get into what Pope Francis said in the letter, let's talk about this retreat, which wrapped up just as we were recording on Tuesday the 8th. Since Pope Francis couldn't make it to Chicago, he sent the charismatic Franciscan priest who runs all of his retreats, Father Raniero Cantalamessa, to preach at the bishop's retreat. He really is a very deep man, very articulate, uh, and uh, from what I've heard of what he said in uh, Chicago, he has gone right to the heart of the issue and has touched the hearts of many bishops. And besides sending his official preacher, the Pope has also requested that on this retreat, the bishops live simply. If you remember, bishops normally meet in hotels and such like for these big, uh, for their plenaries. Here they're going to a seminary where the situation is very basic. It's, it's, it's good, but it's, it's, it, there's no luxury here. Yeah. And that also is very important. And the center of it is there's a chapel where they pray. I, I, I think uh, the Pope is uh, sending a very strong message. And also, he, he's sending a message to the Catholic people of the United States, because he says, I I'm not ducking out of this. I'm not avoiding the issue. I'm going to the heart of it. Yeah, Jerry, I, I wanted to talk a little bit more about that, that simplicity that you brought up, because I found this article from Crux really interesting, uh, where they were saying that the bishops, their retreats usually involve a lot of like dinners about town and and uh, things like that. And and this one, there's none of that. There are no fancy dinners in Chicago. There's no drinking allowed. Uh, they're, they're really being told to just pare down and, and go back to the, the simplicity that Pope Francis is requesting. Yes. And my understanding from Chicago is that they, they, there's security around the place and uh, the, the media are not allowed in. The, the bishops, when they have these meetings, as they do in Baltimore and other places, they're there with the media and they're kind of public figures and they have their voices heard and they have their pictures on the television and then they have meals and uh, some grandstanding. And, and the Pope is saying to them, you know, you've got to be humble. You've got to go have a real humble approach to resolving this question. Otherwise, you don't do it. Now, in his letter to the bishops on retreat, Pope Francis talked about a lot of different things, but one of the main ones was that after a very divisive period in the U.S. Church, when people were taking sides following the Vigano letter last fall, he said the bishops need to work together to solve the abuse crisis. He's made very clear that he, he believed there's forces of evil at work dividing the church. And in his letter to the bishops, he says, you have to stop kind of sniping at each other, basically. Uh, you you have to uh, be reconciled with each other, work together, uh, work with the universal church. The other main point of this letter is that Pope Francis believes the abuse crisis is rooted in a spiritual problem. And that spiritual problem takes a lot of forms for the bishops. It's this division in their community, but it's also the other things that the Pope has been talking about. 
pride, clericalism, and this desire to prioritize the reputation of the church over the victims. Well, basically, he he made very clear to the American bishops, first of all, that he's close to them, that they have a problem over the abuse question, they have a question of credibility, and basically, they have to go back to the center, to Christ. He's effectively saying, you know, the problem at root is a spiritual one. It's a problem that cannot be resolved in a kind of following the style of companies or big organizations. Right. He said, you're you're not an HR department. Exactly. He, he made it very clear that those kind of solutions will not work. And in the end, they could well ag- aggravate the problem. And so he's saying, you, you really have to go back to your roots. The Pope was very clear. You have a spiritual problem at root that cannot be solved by declarations, by strong statements, more or less also, you know, you, you, you can't resolve it in, in a managerial fashion as companies do, and you can't resolve it by money. That's true. But how the Vatican communicates matters, and it could take some pointers from big secular companies. The church does need to take pains to tell Catholics what they're doing to tackle sexual abuse and its cover-up. And that brings us to our next story. On New Year's Eve, the director and the deputy director of the Vatican's press office resigned together. Now, that might sound like inside baseball about the Vatican's bureaucracy, but it's a really important job. The press office is where journalists come with questions about the Vatican, and that office is going to be especially important during the Vatican's meeting on sexual abuse. Remember, uh, from what I hear, that this could be perhaps the biggest media event since the conclave. Right. Many, many media outlets are considering coming to to cover this event because it's a global issue. So I expect that uh, they will give a lot of attention as to how the, the media dimension of this four-day meeting will be done. So let's talk a bit about the challenges that the former director, Greg Burke, and the deputy director, Paloma Garcia Ovejero, faced. The first is that before Burke, who was an American, and Ovejero, who was Spanish, arrived, the communications department was heavily Italian, and it wasn't really prepared to respond to international news. They started, and they brought in a lot of changes into the Vatican press office. And what would those be, for example? Uh, Well, for example, uh, uh, before we would always get a a printed bulletin every day. And they made some considerable savings by sending it on internet. Got it. They also worked hard to ensure that the documents were translated into English and Spanish, which are the main languages, whereas formerly, so often, the text came in Italian and still to an extent does. Right. And so people like me will have to If we get an early story, we have to do our own translation from Italian. But despite what some rumors have said, cultural differences weren't the reason that Burke and Ovejero resigned. In fact, expanding the translations of the Vatican's documents is seen as a positive part of their legacy. And they were sure to leave on good terms, on a quiet news day when it wouldn't draw much attention. And if you see, they've they've made no comment since they've left, except to say, Greg in a tweet said, we have reflected for many, many months on this. So it wasn't a sudden decision. It was one that they'd pondered over. They are both very loyal to the Pope, uh, deeply uh, admiring his his work, 
but they say in this structure we cannot work in the way we want so it's maybe it's better that you have other people who can perhaps work with this structure Jerry says the main issue was with the structure of the communications department. The reason why the directors resigned was that after the department was restructured, they no longer had direct access to the Pope. Under the new structure, the press officers, there were two, would have to technically go through the head of communications, that's the head of their department, and then through the Secretariat of State. And uh, it was complicated to get through to the Pope because the structure did not envisage that it would work that way. And Greg and Paloma found it very difficult to do their jobs as press officer in the, na- in the way that they professionally thought they should do, having to go th- various hoops before they actually got the information. Right. They, it was really difficult for them to access the Pope. This was the central point. So they were trying to change that? They were trying to get more access to the Pope? Well, they wanted, they believe that they should be really able to go directly to the Secretariat of State or to the Pope without in-betweens. Right. Because in, at the end of the day, if a major story breaks, who did the journalists go to? They go to the press officers. If it takes them five, seven hours to get an answer back, or if they are given an answer written in, in written form, which they can't really easily use, it doesn't help. So their job as press officers was quite complicated in the new structure. And they tried to make this known, as I wrote in my story. But it's, you know, change comes slowly here. Direct access to the Pope will likely continue to be an issue going forward as the abuse crisis continues to unfold. For now, an interim director, an Italian journalist named Alessandro Gisotti, has been appointed to take over the office until Pope Francis chooses a replacement. In these first few weeks of January, we've seen a lot of rapid action take place at the Vatican ahead of next month's sexual abuse summit. There was the turnover in the communications department, which might improve communications but also may make them more challenging in the coming months. And we've also seen action being taken with the McCarrick investigations and spiritual preparation for the meeting coming from the U.S. bishops' retreat. But none of this action that's propelling us towards the February meeting will matter unless real change comes out of that meeting. Before we go, if you're enjoying the podcast so far, please share it with a friend. We appreciate your help getting the word out. Inside the Vatican is produced by me, Colleen Deli. Our executive producer is Eric Sundrup. Production assistance this week by Eloise Blondio. Our news producer is Kevin Clark. Our audio engineer is Karen Freeman. Inside the Vatican is mixed by Oliver Lazarus. Our studio manager is Leopold Stubner. You can find in-depth and up-to-date Vatican coverage at americamagazine.org or follow us on Twitter at americamag. For America Media, I'm Colleen Deli with Gerard O'Connell. See you next week.